Hey everyone and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 008 with Adrenaline Plus. Our guest this week, his name is JD Mata. He's a special matters expert in strength and conditioning. He tells us about his journey with sports growing up, how he got his master's degree, his 10 years of serving in the Air Force, and what he's doing now for our soldiers in the Army. This strength and conditioning program that he's ahead of is awesome, and it's so great to hear his story and how he got from where he was as an athlete to his own journey as a weightlifter to now what he's giving back to the soldiers with him and his team of coaches and the way that that whole program is is rolling out. Interesting stuff, great story, and really great tidbits for any coach out there that um, that is, is coaching sports and coaching younger kids. Um, There's a lot of feedback on, on what a well-developed athlete looks like, and so you guys are really going to enjoy this one. If you, are, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google, we just thank you so much, especially all of our listeners all over the world. It's so fun to see who's, who's dialing in and listening to, to our podcast, and we just really appreciate all of the feedback. If you can, drop us five stars on Apple, and thanks, thank you guys for everything. We'll see you guys next time. All right, guys, welcome back to the Adrenaline Plus podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest on today, JD. Um, I have known him for many, many years, and we have stayed in touch through probably social and text, um, but he has an amazing story, and I can't wait to dive into where he came from, where he's going, and everything in between. Um, he, I think, has an expertise in one of the fields that we know most about, which is strength and conditioning. And, um, and he's been able to share that exposure, mostly with the military, and we'll go into that uh, in the show. But JD, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. So you are in El Paso, Texas, correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay, How is, uh, how's everything out there in West Texas? Super hot, or what, what's going on out there? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's desert, so it's really hot, really dry. Um, a lot of sunlight, but it's it's good. Um, it's actually good for the whole COVID situation going on. People can be outside and not inside as much. So um, yeah. we're, we're, we're very fortunate in that aspect. Awesome. So as uh, our listeners know, this is a story about you. And, you know, we're going to just stop and do some tidbits. But really, um, where did it start for you? You know, you are a top-level coach. Um, you're a performance coach when it comes to strength conditioning. Um, was there a love for sports in the beginning? Kind of take us back how far you want to take this whenever you started. And, um, and yeah, let's just start there. Um, yeah, I think um, my first memory is wearing a little like Dallas Cowboys helmet and shoulder pads and stuff running around the house with my football um, and all that. My dad was always really big into sports. He played, you know, football and, and softball when I was a kid. So I always saw it. Um, so, you know, naturally became an athlete in school and all those things like you know playing with your friends and all that stuff so um always been an athlete I think I've always had some sort of workout program going or, or you know something um so just kind of you know graduating from high school moving to college uh that didn't work out but I played baseball in college at Texas Western mm-hmm. um and I moved to the military which is inherently fairly physical as well so um, just always having some sort of goal, um, whether it's just to be, you know, big and muscular or to perform better on PT tests or things like that. Um, just always wanted to, to, to do better. Um, always was really interested in like science and, and things like that. So they kind of work really well together. Um, anybody who's mm-hmm. done like an exercise science degree, 
um, you get to see some of the the things that you don't really understand or, the, you know, the things that people talk about. So uh, I think the those two went really well together. Um, and then just being a coach always come pretty, comes pretty natural. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I just kind of find my, found my way into it. I know I didn't ever want to work in an office job um, mm-hmm. for sure. So being active <laughs> in, in coaching and, and whatever it is, is very preferable to wearing a suit and tie and, and oh, uh, yeah. you know, working with exclusively spreadsheets or numbers or meetings, all of this. So uh, I enjoy that a whole lot. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's kind of dive back So you. You did sports all your life. Um, I would say that, you know, you, you participated in multiple sports, but you said the tidbit in there, and I know this, but the audience doesn't, but you played, you played collegiate baseball. So you were yeah. definitely pretty, pretty good at baseball. Um, and, and so do you think that as you were moving towards college years, you knew, I have to really kind of hone in and focus on baseball or was it just kind of natural for you like to be um, just a kind of a higher level athlete? Cause not everybody gets the chance to play college ball, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, growing up in Texas, the sport culture is pretty well developed already. So, you know, even when I was a kid, which was, you know, several years ago, and I can say how many, but several years ago, <laughs> um, there was already, you know, select teams and tournament teams and things like that for baseball. Um, there was a lot of seven on seven football and, um, you know, every other sport had their own specialty. Uh, I don't think I ever really focused too much. Um, I was pretty generalist. I, I also ran track, played baseball, football at the same time throughout the mm-hmm. year. Um, after I graduated, um, I was naturally a little bit better at baseball, so I had better opportunities there. So I, I think I followed that um, that kind of realm. I think if I would have focused a little bit more and, and um, specialized, I may have been better at baseball, but, but I may not have been a better athlete. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's a little bit of give and take, especially with that those developmental ages um, for, mm-hmm. for, for youth um, athletes. So, I mean, I, I did focus when it was season, but I, I never really focused on either sport year round. So. You know, that's a great tidbit because we have a lot of coaches and business owners that listen to this podcast. And a lot of coaches often ask other coaches, what do you think about specialization in kids? And I personally have my own opinion about it. Mine is I really mm-hmm. like kids to take breaks and supplement. Like I, I love that a kid can do, you know, Taekwondo year round, but the, he's not really focusing on it. He's going to go play soccer, going to play football. What is your take on that as being the specialist that you are? Um, you know, you are very educated when it comes to sports science. You're, you're in it now working with military. Um, do you see that same way that I do, or do you kind of have a different take on that? Um, I definitely think that the more um, diversity you can, you can expose um, children or athletes to, the better. Um, so, for instance, uh, we, I worked with, um, I, when I was an intern at TCU when I was in grad school, um, we had baseball players, right? So I worked with the baseball team. Um, the athletes who showed up had only played baseball for several years. They were really good at baseball tasks, but they were really bad at very general tasks. So they weren't good at maybe skipping or crawling or rolling, um, things like that, that are just kind of indicative of, of natural athleticism, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, being, being able to expose kids to um, gymnastics and baseball and swimming and soccer, mm-hmm. they develop new skills and new understandings of how to solve um, motor problems. So essentially um, every movement, so whether it be like a, a squat or a deadlift or um, a, a different variation of a kick or catching a football, it's all motor problem. 
So the, the more resources you give them, the better they're going to be at solving motor problems. Mm. Um, although if, if you're working with certain sports like gymnastics, for instance, um, the windows for the, the high level competition for females is a little bit lower than for males. So we got to mm -hmm. look at that as well and see which sports they're going to be good at. Um, but exactly like you were saying, maybe we don't take that 100% away, but we kind of turn it down a little bit. Um, instead of being max gymnastics or max taekwondo, and we do something completely different, um, just to introduce the, the, the joints, the bones, the muscles, the brain to just different exposures, different patterns, different stresses. So they're just a more robust and stronger, healthier person. Mm -hmm. um, also understanding at high level skill, um, as high level skill goes up, health goes down, right? So mm -hmm. um, anybody who's seen like the gymnastics, uh, that's a good example. Um, you can't perform at that level for, for 10, 15 years. You have a small window and you have to shift or you're going to start breaking down. Um, and, mm -hmm. that's, and that's why I think that variation is important. You just have to make that decision, um, whether it's high level sport, um, where we're going to focus, when that area of focus is going to be, and then we expand back out, right? So right. Um, there's, a few different, yeah, there's a few different answers there, but I, I think that more often than not, especially younger kids, 10 and under, they need to just do as much different sports and, mm -hmm. and activities as possible. Right. And I, I think just the other thing that I would add on to that, because that, that is such great information that you give, um, is that a lot of people don't enjoy movement at that point if they're so specialized. Like, I know for me, like, that was a little bit harder. Like, I did play soccer and softball growing up, but I didn't enjoy the, the additional movement that, like, I see some of these kids growing up and they're playing like all these sports and they just enjoy moving. And I think as adults, it kind of messes us up a little bit, right? Like we kind of get into like these holes like where we don't. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I really have enjoyed that in my last few years of coaching is like kind of what you're saying, like, you know, allowing those kids to not really hyper-focus too much because you, your brain just can't really even take all that as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, it's like, it's, it's a break sometimes, just a mental break to, mm -hmm. to kind of get away from that really stressful, you know, if, if you're a Taekwondo competitor, then they're always hyper-focused on practice and competitions and recovering mm -hmm. for practice and getting ready for the next competition, giving them a little break and just like, Hey, go play soccer and have fun with your friends. Like a kid should do. Uh -huh. Then, you know, that's like mental health as well. And I think that's, um, you know, a whole different topic from, from physical health is mm -hmm. not really, but, um, mm -hmm. As far as the approach, mental health is very important. So um, having a happy kid who is participating in whatever sport that they're competing in is probably more important than having an unhappy kid who's only focused on that one sport, right? Right, right. No, great tidbits there. So you're in college, you're playing baseball. Um, from there, you're going into the military, you're thinking about the military. How did that transition happen? Yeah, so... Um, Essentially, as I was growing up, my parents always, always had a job as a kid. Um, you know, as soon as I was 14 or 15, I think I even started work maybe early. But even before that, um, I was work, working with family, friends, working with my dad, always, you know, kind of doing something productive mm -hmm. with my time. Um, so as I was approaching 18 years old, you know, graduating high school, the, the kind of rule in the house was, um, you can stay at home as long as you're going to school. Um, if you're not going to school, then you need to find a job and you're going to pay your rent um, mm -hmm. because we're no longer funding your progression as a, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. That was kind of the, the understanding that I grew up in. So I uh, went to college, played baseball, 
Um, just kind of was a little bit mentally immature to kind of mm-hmm. commit to just going there and having that more freedom of living on campus and, and doing all that stuff. So um, my grades weren't the best. I played, I was do, doing well in baseball. I probably got much better when I got to college. Um, just kind of had, you know, a good developmental period there. But um, got to the point where I wasn't going to be able to play um, the next season or, you know, coming from the, the, the fall season into the spring season. So um, I made the decision that I don't want to just go to school uh, at that point. So it was either, you know, find a job working at home or I thought, well, maybe I can join the military and um, find something outside of, you know, Fort Worth, Texas, where, where you know, we grew up and all that. So um, just kind of. Thought it was the idea, went with it. Um, I'd always been interested when I was a kid, you know, Rambo and G.I. Joe and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, ended up joining the Air Force, which isn't, you know, Rambo or G.I. Joe, but um, I think it was a it was a good decision for me. Um, and I, I it gave me time to kind of develop into um, more who I am and, get, you know, gave me those exposures to kind of chip away some of that misunderstanding or lack of understanding that I had. So um, it, was, it was definitely a positive experience for me. And, uh, and just for the listeners, you know, I, I'm, I had said this on the intro, but you served 10 years and we, we appreciate every moment that you serve for our country. Um, and, and thank you for that. But you not only served 10 years, you did multiple deployments. And yeah. during that time period, um, you know, I have talked to people that said, you know, that was some of the hardest part of my life. And I would talk to people that said that really, that really structured me as a person. Um, was that hard to go through or do you feel like that was kind of a building block to who JD is now? Um, I think both, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think hardship, hardship gives you an opportunity to figure out who you, who you really are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the, just it, leaving home as well as a hardship, you know, cause it, it's a change mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. So, um, you know, going into a foreign country, no one speaks the language, you know, um, people are not happier there. Um, just sleeping in a, in a small room with a bunch of people and not having privacy and eating food that is not what mom made or, you know, not, mm-hmm. not uh, going to a nice restaurant um, for an extended amount of time knowing you can't leave. Um, those things kind of wear on you, but they give you an opportunity to figure out, okay, am I, the, and, you know, this is, this is probably um, a post analysis, but am I the type of person who's going to rise to the occasion or am I the person who's going to, um, let the stress dictate who I am um, and maybe not even rise to the occasion, just be who I am. You know, am I, I going to express mm-hmm. myself? Um, so it, I'm not going to say it was all great. There were times where I really wasn't happy there. Um, you know, several months away from home as a, as a young, um, and I, I never traveled as a child either. So the first time I got on a plane was going to basic training. So, wow. um, you know, going from that to, to flying to Iraq and Afghanistan and Africa and, and, and different countries and stuff. And, um it i don't think the military makes people tough i think it makes tough people kind of realize that they're tough you know mm-hmm. um it gives you an example same thing i mean same thing with, with training for sports same uh you know i work with olympic weightlifters primarily on the outside of uh, my day job and mm-hmm. weightlifting is very hard it's a very taxing technical sport it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of commitment and if you're not mentally strong and you're not wanting to be there by choice, then you're not going to be there very long. Right, as, as, right. Especially not at a high level, right? So military is the same thing, um, and especially deployments. And, and there's, you know, better deployments. There's better, you know, assignments. But I think the uh, that 
time frame gave me time to figure out who I was, how I was going to operate you know, into who I wanted to be mm-hmm. and um, may- maybe help me find tools to, to problem solve better and kind of structure my approach towards the future, um, you know, more than just kind of taught me skills, what I think people say. Right, right. No, that's awesome. And, and it's, it's great to hear both sides because I think sometimes people either lean one way or the other. It was the best experience of my life where I hated it, you know? So it's, yeah. it's good to really talk through because it is a realistic thing. You spent 10 years of your life doing it. And, and it brought, like you said, it brought both sides. So you're out, you're moving forward as far as like education goes, you decide to enter this master's program at TCU. Um, in the mix of that, you are weightlifting at the time or are you really hyper-focused in weightlifting? Yeah, so, um, of course, in college, we kind of lifted with the team and, mm-hmm. and did those things. And, and then when I first joined the military, it was just uh, go to the gym with the, with, the, with the boys type of thing, you know, work out uh-huh. off time and stuff like that. Um, and then I realized I wasn't getting um, a lot of return for a lot of the bodybuilding work that I was doing, not, mm-hmm. like, not performance specific. So I started reading some books and stuff like that. Um, and then I remembered as I was doing it, I liked to lift heavy. So I, I did powerlifting in high school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into powerlifting and that was fun. Um, competed nationally a couple times and wow. um, with the USA powerlifting. Um, and just kind of got to the point where I knew I was going to be a coach moving towards getting out of the military mm-hmm. and um, CrossFit started being really big. And I yeah. tried that. It wasn't really for me. I'm not, you know, in the long run, I'm pretty lazy when I train. So <laughs> like moving from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next really wasn't for me, but I liked the weightlifting. I've never really done, we did power cleans and stuff, but um, uh-huh. so I went to a USA weightlifting seminar um, just kind of preparing myself to be a coach because I knew at you know division one universities they teach these these mm-hmm. lifts so I, I got to know them myself um, went liked it um, just kind of fell in love with it so I've been doing Olympic weightlifting since 2017 um, okay. but I, I've been I you know been lifting weights my whole life did powerlifting probably 10 years before um, mm-hmm. moving into weightlifting yeah so uh, you you're done with TCU you go to TCU and you're part of these athletic programs there which are you're seeing athletes of every sport at that point yeah so primarily I was um a graduate assistant with the kinesiology program so we did a ton of research um and that was anywhere from performance research to health research working with Mm -hmm. um you know looking at different supplements implement uh inflammation when uh in women with menopause after exercise, things, you know, things that far mm-hmm. on the clinical spectrum, all the way to working with Olympic weightlifters and looking at different performance variables. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was there as well, um, I interned with a strength and conditioning program um, to start my coaching career. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I got a little bit of both. I got the research side and the sport performance side. But yeah, I helped with um, all the sports that were there, um, baseball, football, basketball, um, Essentially, everybody, but those who I focused on the most, because those are the sports I like the most. So whenever right. we got to that's kind of where I went, right? Awesome. And so, so TCU finishes out for you. You are coaching at that point. You're that's your full time mode. Mm-hmm. Um, take us, take us to the point now. And and I know that for the listeners, um, you're saying like you read and you're in school and, and it sounds like you're just constantly learning, you know, and I, I see this a lot from coaches that are at that higher performance. Um, 
And, and so take us now, like you, you're done with TCU. How did you become where you are now? Because this is a very powerful position as much as I know for you, you're a very humble person. You're like, uh, you know, this is just kind of what I do and, you know, or, or um, this is my job, but what you do is very impactful for the people that are around you. So how did you get from TCU, I'm coaching strength conditioning, I want to enter this program and what I'm doing now? Yeah, um, so as soon as I graduated from TCU, um, I was selected for an internship at the National Strength and Conditioning Association uh, headquarters in Colorado, Colorado Springs, uh, which is a great location because the Olympic Training Center is there, um, yes. the U.S. Air Force Academy is there, uh, and it's, it's just a really, really high sport culture there. So there's a ton mm -hmm. of junior hockey teams that work at USA Hockey. Um, and, you know, Colorado is probably the most fit state in the, in the country as far as statistics go. So it was just a good opportunity to go there. Um, so I got selected to go there. I moved there in January 17. Um, and uh, again, kind of like TCU worked with a, a, a wide range of different athletes. Um, they had the tactical strength conditioning program, uh, which is, you know, more in my realm now. Uh, there we had uh, fire, search and rescue, police officers, you know, regular police officers, patrol officers, administrators, mm -hmm. and like SWAT officers. Um, along with uh, athletes from USA figure skating, um, like I said, uh, junior hockey, and mm -hmm. um, some of the high school sports that were in the area. So I uh, got to work with a, a wide array there. Um, worked a lot with the tactical guys. I like that. I like the the kind of more adult tactical, police, mm -hmm. fire, military A because I'm used to it. Um, but B, it's a little bit more of a um, partnership with the athlete. Uh, Mm -hmm. and you know kind of a coach mentor type role you still have the coach role you have the mentor role but some of these guys are 38 years old they got six kids and you know mm -hmm. or whatever it is so it's a little bit more of a, of a partnership per se than it is um kind of lead the way and follow me mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and I prefer that coaching style I'm not very very boisterous when I coach I prefer to say hey this is what you do and I you know watch and talk to them on the side and things like that mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'll raise my voice if I need to control the room or whatever, but I, I'm not the rah-rah coach. I'm not going to blow my whistle <laughs> and do jumping jacks to get everybody uh -huh. get everybody hyped up, right? So uh, I kind of realized that the tactical setting was a little more for me, and I probably didn't want to work with, like, college football, which college football is on the other end of the spectrum. It's all noise, and, you know, they train hard and everything, but it's a little bit different environment. So um, being there, I got, I got the opportunity to um, kind of look at different positions around the country. I know – this program that I worked with the army was just starting up. So I applied for that, um, ended up getting placed into a position there. Um, mm -hmm. So as soon as I left Colorado, um, I moved to upstate New York, um, Fort Drum, New York, um, in a, the coldest place I've ever been in my life. So I um, moved <laughs> there in um, 2017, in June of 2017. I've, I've worked for uh, Reef Systems, which is a company who, who provides the contract now. Um, you know, developing this program for the army. Uh, it started with four coaches. We now have 58 coaches who we, who we employ wow. across the country at different locations. Um, and, you know, like you said, we, we work with soldiers on a daily basis, um, helping them. We have dietitians, physical therapists, um, occupational therapists, and um, coaches on the teams. So, you know, it's a holistic approach. So it's almost like a performance center um, for the soldiers, mm -hmm. which is, I think mm -hmm. it's very important for these guys to get as much support as possible. So, you know, we help them with everything from identifying, you know, like, healthier foods like a vegetable these are vegetables 
this is lean protein, this is water, you need these things, um, mm -hmm. all the way to prepping them for special force selection or ranger school or things like that. So it's a, it's a whole spectrum. Um, and I'm also good at that too, because I have ADD, so I like to be all over the place. Um, <laughs> so I, get, I get to work with a whole different range of people on a daily basis. Um, and we're actually, the Army's expanding the program starting this year. Um, so it's going Army-wide, so they, they, they really like the results. And, and a healthier soldier costs less money for the Army, and it, it ends up with a, a happier individual, which, you know, kind of mm -hmm. builds on itself as, as the program develops. Yeah, I, lo I love that approach. It's very long term, right? It's a it's a it's an approach that's not just like, hey, we're gonna get you fit for this, we're gonna get you fit for life. And, and yep. that is going to in turn, um, give us the best soldiers that we can get um, through that process. I, I love that approach. Because, you know, we often see is people are building businesses, or they're coaching athletes, sometimes it's too much in the now and which I love to live in the moment, but you're not really thinking about what's going to be long term for this human being, you know, and you know, like I, I have said for me, you know, being a high performance martial arts coach, you know, I can, I can really hone in on this athlete. I want to get them a national level or international status, but this, they're not going to live that for the rest of their lives. I want them to be like an overall happy human being that, that moves on. So I love that approach for you guys, because it's, um, it really shows uh, how the army is taking the approach for the human. And, and that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're enhancing their yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, just this morning, I was having a conversation with a soldier. He's older. He's been in the Army 15 or 16 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I usually if they haven't worked with support, open up a discussion that our goal is to help them live a happier life when they're out of the Army. So anybody who's been in the military, um, especially if they have more of a physical job, um, it breaks you down, especially if you're not training for it, especially if you're not eating health, things like that. So, you know, after 20 years of that, it wears on the body and they, and they can't operate as well as they want to. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's time to retire, go be with your family, have fun, go on hikes. So if they can't do that, then, you know, what was the whole first 20 years for? Right, um, right. So, you know, and that's, and that's where we, we try to give them skills to, you know, eat better for their whole life, not just perform better for this workout or for, for this mm -hmm. test process or whatever it may be. So, and, and that comes down to having very honest conversations uh, and I think that's important with athletes, especially with athletes, because um, you need to have the conversation, hey, for this next two years, we're going to prep for this next four-year cycle, mm -hmm. right? And this four-year cycle is going to be probably where we need to be, and that will determine um, if we're going to move on or if you're going to, you know, kind of turn it down and become more mm -hmm. of, a, of a regular person. Right, um, right. I think, I think those honest conversations aren't had enough. Um, mm -hmm. and people end up very unhappy because they compartmentalize themselves into that small window of performance. Um, and then when it's over, they didn't do anything to prepare themselves um, on the other side, right? Right, um, right. And that, that it, leads to depression and, and, and those mm -hmm. things. Yeah, it's like their identity almost gets caught too, too, too much, you know? Like they're just identifying with what that is right there versus like an overall thing. I, I totally get it. And I sure, I'm for sure that the listeners, especially the coaches can understand that point of view. So, um, so what's, what is it moving forward? You know, I feel like you're a black belt and master at what you do, you know, you're coaching athletes. And when it comes to Olympic weightlifting, you're, you have this program that's been rolled out with the army with, you know, all over the United States. Um, you know, are there certain things that you are looking forward to doing? Is this the expansion on this program? How, what's going on with you as far as um, the next steps? Yeah, so um, like I said, the, like this program, we created 54 jobs in the past couple of years. 
Um, trading conditioning is a very small field as far as compared to like accounting or, you know, whatever else people go to school for. So the opportunities are, are fairly limited. Um, some coaches make a whole lot of money, but a lot of coaches don't make, you know, they're not making $100,000 a year being a coach. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the benefits of this program, you know, the size of the Army compared to the size of even college football or, or college sports is immense. Like it, it's a huge, huge increase in available positions. So being able to develop this program and show the worth right now, putting the work in now, will help coaches in the future, and that will open, that will drive up salaries. Um, as you know, as as the a rising tide raises all ships, right? So mm-hmm. the the more we can we can raise the expectations of the army, the the higher coaches are, they're going to need, and the higher qualified there, hopefully even across the field, people are going to start being compensated better. Um, mm-hmm. They're also going to you know with higher compensation hopefully will come a higher quality of individual uh, or at least standards for the, the for the organization or for the for the field so being able to to increase this program and um, kind of show what needs to be done in the early stages right now which is very labor labor intensive um, mm-hmm. will hopefully open up the, the the realm for coaches all across the country in every area um, to, to live a happier and healthier life because a lot of coaches, I'm sure, as you know, we mm-hmm. we have to work long hours or odd hours with you know the mm-hmm. athletes' time. Um, in the collegiate setting, it's not it's not crazy to work 60 or 70 hours a week. Right. Um, on the weekends, you know, early on a Sunday, early on a Saturday, depending on the sport, getting in the mm-hmm. weight room to set up for the 6 a.m. workout, you got to be there about an hour early to set up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you may be training a team again at 6 p.m. or you know whatever, so you may not get home for dinner and and those things. So being able to to provide better working hours, we only work 40 hours a week, government contract. So we only mm-hmm. work 40 hours per week. Um, I mean, I'm done. I go in at six. I'm off by three, three thirty every day. Um, when it's not, you know, COVID, work from home uh-huh. time. <laughs> and, and that's a huge um, quality of life increase for coaches. So being able to make that impact as far as like professionally is, is amazing. And it's not just me. You know, we have all the coaches. Um, I think they. They. I mean, I, I'm only. You know. I've been on since the beginning, but the the coaches that we have make a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. We have a great team. I think we take a little bit more family-focused approach than a lot of other contracting companies. So I'm not trying mm-hmm. to do a pitch here, but I think I think <laughs> the, uh, I, I think the uh, that that shows a huge increase. You know, happier people do better jobs. So mm-hmm. we we try to do our best to do that, and that's I think that's very important. Like I said, just for that same thing with the athlete. Um, mm-hmm. where's your window? How good are you going to be? What are you going to focus on? And then what are you going to do after that? Same mm-hmm. thing with the coaches. I know some of these guys don't want to be here forever. What are you going to do on the mm-hmm. upside? And we help mm-hmm. them develop those skills to, to move on. So like coaching development and, and helping the field push forward is probably number one goal right now. Um, mm-hmm. and then number two is to kind of figure out, cause I do want, I, I do want my own weightlifting gym space, something mm-hmm. at some point um i got to figure out where i want to do that and, and things like that so that's probably getting myself prepared for that with knowledge okay. and, and, you know running, running a gym isn't easy right no not at all so, <laughs> so you know i want to be prepared um i'm doing my mba right now so i can you know get better mm-hmm. business knowledge and things like that and build a better mm-hmm. network on that side so um yeah i think just constantly kind of pushing towards what i want 
um, just a little bit every day. That works better for me than than working really hard every day because I get burnt out too quick. So a couple right. good a couple good intentional hours every day at different you know different goals and and just mm -hmm. keep moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So at at the end of each interview, um, you know, I've kind of been asking just a spectrum of questions um, for you. I feel like your success has been, like you just said, stair-stepping approach all the way through. Um, you were a collegiate athlete, you know, very active as a kid. You went to the military. Now you're having this, um, I, I call it enormous success with this program that you're doing with the Army. Um, so my question to you, especially you can, you can do coaches, you can do entrepreneurs, you can do athletes. Um, what do you feel like are your top three things for people to really find their own pathway of success or, or move in success in the way? So just give us like a few tidbits of, of what you would say to someone that's trying to push forward, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think number one is, is consistency. Um, and you, you kind of, number two kind of goes before number one, but number, number one is consistency. So if, even if you're not seeing a lot of return <clears throat> at first, continue to work, continue to work. Um, progress is exponential. So you'll get a point where, you know, today you make $4. And then, you know, next month you make a hundred dollars and then you can take part of that money, reinvest it. And then the next month you make a thousand dollars, you know, mm -hmm. it, it increases exponentially. And then the more consistent you are with learning, um, problem solving and, and not just, you know, mindless effort, the, the, the better, as far as I've seen um, with myself and people that I've coached and mentored, um, you see better returns that way, just being consistent. If you're always jumping from this, oh, I want to be a coach today, but Oh, I'm going to go, you know, sell cell phones the other day and they're not, nothing kind of, you know, builds on itself and you never really get a footing and you can't even fail enough to learn and get better. So consistency also comes with failure. It just means you keep failing at the same thing over and over. And all that is, is just a way to learn and re redirect your approach. Maybe not change the goal, but change the way you travel from A to B. Um, you may need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, the, you know, finally get back to, to where you need to be, right? Uh -huh. um, so consistency is very important. Um, just exposure to different situations. So exactly like we're saying with the developmental model with athletes. Um, I mean, I learned things about coaching during my MBA classes um, that have nothing to do. I mean, I'm in a law class right now, but I'm learning mm -hmm. things, um, that I, you know, because I have a good understanding of coaching, my brain kind of works there and I'm getting new information. So exposing yourself to as much experience as possible, um, mm -hmm. go see other countries, go visit other people. Um, you'll see how different people are. You'll see how similar mm -hmm. everyone is. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think those things are very important and that, that exposure will help you kind of find where you want to be. So mm -hmm. I knew I didn't want to work an office job, but I knew my career in the Air Force was going to send me more towards working administratively. So mm -hmm. learning the problem solving skills I learned and preparing myself for the future, I got my bachelor's degree while I was enlisted, um, got out, made it easier to get a master's degree and, and things like that. So um, that exposure will help you be more consistent. And mm -hmm. then, um, I mean, the third one is probably just be a nice person. Um, there you go. <laughs> the, the, the hardest thing to get across to people, especially if they're really motivated, really like type A, is, uh -huh. is that just because you're motivated and just because you really know a lot, just because you care about your success, doesn't mean other people care. Um, uh -huh. So if, you, if you're a nice person and you help other people be better people and you help them problem solve their issues or you, you, you use your skill to give them whatever it is that you do the best, 
then they're going to be more willing to to make that concession and let you into their their group or even their situation and um you, you, you'll just be you'll just be you may not be best friends but i know for me working with soldiers i have to show them that i can provide something to help them and usually that's going to be um those mental skills of of trying to find you know what makes them happy and and um things like that versus mm -hmm. i can't i mean i can't help them you know pass their their promotion boards and things like that it's gonna mm -hmm. be on their own but i can give them tools um and show them that i care and that i'm not just here to get a paycheck and then we mm -hmm. both end up being successful because they do better and then my job is to help them do better so mm -hmm. I, I think people um either get frustrated or they approach it wrong and um they think that being you know the hard ass i don't know i'm sorry <laughs> No, you can pass. That's fine. Um, okay. That's not too much. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, just sitting back and just being a nice person, seeing what interests the other person, what do they value, what do they care about, having a genuine conversation like we're talking about with that expectation mm -hmm. for performance, the same thing with life. Like, they came in like, what makes you happy? Mm -hmm. How many times have coaches asked their athletes that? Or, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. um, what do you do when you're frustrated? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I help? How can I help that? What, like, what do you mm -hmm. need? Um, when you're not having a good day, what do you need to feel better? I know as an athlete myself, I don't want anyone talking to me if I'm having a bad day. Mm -hmm. I want to figure it out and, and, you know, whatever. I don't want someone yelling, hey, you need to pick it up and do this. And that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. different people need different things. So having those genuine conversations, being nice, um, I think that may be the most important, but it's, uh, I think they're all important. Yeah, for sure. Great tidbits from a high performance coach who is uh, running, I think, one of the most important programs um, in the nation right now. And like you said, the, the, the effects that this is going to have for our industry are, is, is going to be big. And so we very much appreciate that as coaches. Um, where can people find you on social? You've, this is your time to like plug in so, uh, so anyone can, can find you. I know you're big on IG. You post a lot on IG. I love it. I watch the stories all the yeah. time. It's great. <laughs> so go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug there. Um, so as far as like professionally, the only thing I have is LinkedIn. Um, just JD Mata, M-A-T-A um, on there. Um, it's a picture of me doing a presentation. So if you get confused, I'm up there like giving a little speech thing. <laughs> um, so I'm on uh, LinkedIn. I don't have Facebook or Twitter or any of that stuff anymore. Um, honestly, it just kind of takes up a lot of time. Uh, Instagram, the uh, the handle is um, the Deep Knee Bend. Um, so T H E K N E E B E N D. Um, kind of a play on you know squatting. Um, mm -hmm. But I post a lot. <clears throat> it's definitely not a business page or an informative page. Um, but if you got good memes or, you know, whatever, give me a follow. <laughs> if you like funny stuff, I post on there. That's kind of my outlet um, mm -hmm. for that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and uh, if anybody has any inquiries about coaching as far as, like, tactical setting and things like that, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Um, or you can reach me on email, uh, jmata, M-A-T-A, at r-e-e-f-s-y-s.com. Um, jmod at reefsys.com. That's my, that's my corporate email. So you can always reach out. If you have any questions about coaches into the tactical setting, I'm trying to pull coaches over to our side. We get paid very well uh, for what we do. Um, so it's, it's enticing as long as the individual wants to commit to that, that type of lifestyle and kind of get away from sport hundred percent. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a very re rewarding career. So if, even if you're just interested and want to exchange a couple emails, reach out. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you have. 
Awesome. JD, thank you so much for your time. We know you're super busy doing what you do. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate this uh, more than anything because these, uh, these podcasts have really taken off. And I, I, I really am so grateful for our listeners all over, but to be able to share your story too. So I just appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been a longtime friend and I appreciate everything you've done. And uh, we'll see you soon or talk soon. And uh, I think we have a special podcast that might be coming out with JD and Chris Laughlin. We're kind of talking about that, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, we, we've kind of messaged about that. So the listeners should uh, look out on one of our, uh, we'll probably plug it on everywhere, but we have something fun for you guys coming. All right, we'll see you later, JD. Bye. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it.